Would you pray with me, please? Let us ask the Lord to open our hearts and our minds to receive His Word. Father God, we thank You with all our hearts for this day in which we celebrate the baptism of our Lord Jesus Christ. We also celebrate our own baptisms, Lord. And I pray You, my Father in heaven, that You would be glorified today in the teaching of your word, that you would anoint it, that you would anoint it out of my mouth, and that you would anoint it into our ears and into our hearts. Open us, open our eyes, our spiritual eyes, Father, that we may see all that your gospel wants to teach us today. Be exalted, O Lord, in everything, and be glorified in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. And a happy new year to all of you. I wasn't here last week, so I didn't have a chance to, uh, to greet you and wish you uh, a happy new year. So please, uh, if you like, uh, open your Bibles. Open your Bibles to uh, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3 of the Gospel of Matthew. You can also use the Bibles in the pews in front of you, or you can use the insert that was put in your bulletin uh, this morning. I'm not going to deviate too much from what was read today and, and is in your bulletins. But as you can tell, we are returning to the area of the Jordan this morning. We are returning to the area of the Jordan River in the area of Judea to the east of Jerusalem. The Jordan runs from even before the Sea of Galilee in the north, and it runs all the way down, dividing east and west, all the way to the Dead Sea. And in the area where we are visiting today is the area where John the Baptist was baptizing. But we've been here before, haven't we? In fact, in, during the season of Advent in December, we focus a great deal of attention on the baptism of John the Baptist. All us, I think, two of the Sundays of, of Advent in December, we focused on John. And so the focus at that time was the person of John the Baptist. We dealt with how he was dressed, what he ate, what he preached, what um, uh, impact he had in the community. I believe I preached a sermon to you called uh, Who is John? which had to do with him already being in prison and what Jesus had to say about John. All of that during the season of Advent. So we've been here before. We've been to the river before. At that time, and our focus being John, the focus was on repentance and baptism. It was on the fact that we all needed to repent and be baptized. But it was also on the preaching of John that the kingdom of God was at hand. Prepare the way of the Lord because the king was at hand. 
and the kingdom was at hand. That was the focus when we dealt with, with uh, John the Baptist uh, in Advent. This morning, however, though we return to the same area and to the same event, the focus is Jesus. The focus is not John. The focus is the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. He's the focus of our attention this morning. And Matthew clearly introduces him to his audience as the Son of God. Matthew's gospel here at the baptism clearly introduces Jesus as the only Son of God who was the Messiah. In his baptism, the baptism of Jesus, we also witness the beginning, which I think it's so important and it's so easy for you and I to miss, but we, need, we see the beginning of Jesus' self-identification with us sinners. He joins us in our need for repentance, though he has no sin to repent of. I want you to see in the baptism of Jesus that Jesus is already kind of walking on our shoes, entering into our lives, walking with us the journey of life. And I see already in the baptism of Jesus, his self-pouring into what it means to be human. Not just at the cross where he takes our place, I see it already happening here in the waters of the Jordan River. He joins us in our need for repentance, though in him there is no sin. This is the beginning of Jesus taking our sins upon himself, taking our place, joining our humanity, offering himself to fulfill all righteousness. You need to begin to see that here. This is actually the first appearance of an adult Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. This is the first time. In Jesus' baptism, we see him identifying with us. And in our baptism, we need to recognize that whenever we are baptized or were baptized, that we identified ourselves with Jesus. We leave the waters of baptism to be his sons and to be his brother and to be his disciples. The waters of baptism is a place where Jesus identifies with us, but we identify with him. We receive him as God's Messiah. We receive him as our Lord. We receive him as our King. The passage began with these words, and I found them interesting, and it's so easy to read them and, and go right by them. But the passage began with these words, Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized. Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized. There's a 70-mile distance between Nazareth 
and where John was baptizing. 70 miles on foot. 70 miles on a journey to what God was going to be doing, and Jesus was a key component of it. 70 miles. The last we heard of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, the last we heard of Jesus is in Matthew chapter 2, verse 22 and 23. And it says this, But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, he shall be called a Nazarene. That's the last we hear of Jesus, and this is a reference of his childhood. This is where Joseph and Mary went to with their baby, with their child at that point after returning from Egypt. And now we jump here to an age where Jesus is probably around 30 years old. This is the first time we see the adult Jesus in the gospel of Matthew. And the first question I asked myself was, why would Jesus travel from Nazareth to the Jordan to John to be baptized? Why do the journey of 70 miles? He's already Messiah. He could have started already his ministry in Galilee. He already could heal. He already could teach. He already could preach. He could already do miracles. So why journey 70 miles to where John was? And I recognize that Jesus had a purpose. He was moving in a divine purpose. Because the gates of heaven would be open in that place and not up in Nazareth. He was coming to the Jordan because God was beginning something there with that man that he had commissioned to bring the gospel and to begin the process of introducing Jesus. Jesus comes to the Jordan with a sense of purpose, a sense of divine purpose, a sense of accomplishment, a sense of fulfillment. He's coming to begin the work that God has given him to do. Jesus comes with the expectation of what is to happen. That was the place where the kingdom of God was being preached. That was the place where sinners were coming to be baptized and confess their sins and repent of their sins and be forgiven. And if Jesus was going to identify with sinners, that's the place where he needed to come into the water with them to receive baptism. So Jesus comes from Galilee to John in the, in the Jordan River to be baptized with a sense of purpose. He knew what was happening. He knew what was about to begin, and he was the intricate part of it. So he comes from Nazareth, and he comes to the Jordan with a firm sense of purpose 
and destiny. He comes to identify with the crowds of sinners who haven't been touched by God were coming to the rivers or were coming to the river asking for forgiveness. He wanted to identify with them. Here were the gates of heaven going to be open, and that's why he needed to be there. So Jesus walks into the river, and he comes toward John, and he says he wants to be baptized. And the first thing we read in Matthew is that John wants to stop him. And John had very valid reasons to want to stop him. You need to understand this, which I think is very easy for us to miss. Since John began to preach, since John began to preach, he preached two baptisms. There were two different baptisms that John had been preaching. John begins to preach a, water, a baptism of water. But he says that he who comes after him will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And those two are not the same. John had been commissioned to be the one that baptized sinners as a symbol of cleansing, as a symbol of repentance, accepting their repentance, bringing them into the water, letting them be washed and have their sins washed away through John. But Jesus had a baptism that was higher and superior than water baptism. He would baptize with Holy Spirit and with fire. These two baptisms are different. And you see, I have preached on this passage, whether in any of the Gospels, I have preached on these passages for the last 34 years. And I've missed this point until today, or until I began to study and, and look at this passage. When John tells Jesus, when he says to him, I need to be baptized by you and you're coming to me, John is not asking for water baptism. He's not saying, I need to be water baptized by you, Jesus, and you're coming to me. And that's how we've seen it at times. What John is actually saying is, I need your Holy Spirit fire baptism. You don't need my water baptism. I need the baptism that you were commissioned to bring. You don't need my water baptism. See, I've missed that before. I always thought that John was considering that Jesus was a better baptizer. So John was actually saying, baptize me with water because you're bigger than I or more important than I. Actually, what John is recognizing is that he can't add to Jesus, even if he baptized him with water. But Jesus can add to him. And so what he's asking Jesus for is what Jesus was to do, baptize with Holy Spirit and fire. That's what John was referring to here. So John says, I need to be baptized by you and you're coming to me. 
And Jesus responds, I need yours. Uh, Jesus' response is, let it be now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus basically says to John, John, there'll be plenty of time for you to be Holy Spirit baptized later. This moment is for me to identify with sinners. This moment is for me to fulfill what the Father has sent me to do. This moment is for me to be baptized by you in water like them, with them, joining them, so that they can eventually join me. So Jesus says to John, stop. Stop. Don't stop me from fulfilling righteousness. Don't stop me from fulfilling what God has divinely commissioned. I am here to begin the process of becoming like one of them. John, do not block me in doing what I need to do. In fulfilling righteousness. Have you ever considered what he means by that? What he means by fulfilling all righteousness? Basically, it means being obedient to the purposes of God. The idea of fulfilling the righteousness of God is fulfilling his will. Is being obedient to what he has planned. Is walking into what God has anointed and what God has promised. And Jesus is saying, I must fulfill all righteousness, all that is right, all that God has commanded, because baptism is ultimately and always a divine ordinance. It's not a liturgy, it's not a ritual, it is those things, but first and foremost, it's a divine ordinance of God that we be baptized, that we confess our sins, that we receive forgiveness, and that we be cleansed from those sins. It is a divine order, it is a divine purpose, it is a divine appointment, and Jesus could not not do what the Father had commissioned him to do just because John wanted Holy Spirit baptism. So Jesus says, I must be obedient. I must be obedient to the Father's plan. You must baptize me with the sinners that are coming here. I must be one of them. This is the beginning of my joining them, of my being with them through the good and the bad and the ugly of life. I join with them in these waters of baptism. In those waters, sins are acknowledged. I mean, that's the idea of, of baptism, is to acknowledge our sins, to not excuse them. But to actually say to God, I admit I have gone in the wrong direction. I admit that I am a sinner. I have failed your divine purpose. I have failed what you've commanded me to do. To, to acknowledge it, to repent of it, to confess it, and ask God for his forgiveness. But also we must ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to allow us to live as baptized Christians and not, yes, wet believers. We are not wet believers. 
We are baptized Christians in the baptism of repentance of John and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. Jesus here is presented clearly as the Son of God, who also joins us as the Son of Man. And here's something that I don't want you to miss because it's so easy to miss. The gates of heaven are not open and the Holy Spirit does not come upon Jesus and the voice of the Father is not heard until Jesus has fulfilled all righteousness. After Jesus is baptized and he comes out of the water, the Father responds to the Son's righteousness and righteous act by doing what he did, which is to anoint him for ministry. You get that? What happens in the heavens is a result of the Son's obedience and righteousness. As he is baptized, as the Father commanded it, as the Father ordained it, as Jesus is obedient to his Father and genuinely joins sinners in their walk, So the Father responds by opening the heavens. Opening the heavens to declare that this is his Son. There are two other places where the heavens are open in the Bible that I can remember. One of them is in Ezekiel. When Ezekiel is pulled by the hair and brought up to heaven so that he can see the things that are going on in heaven. And the other time is in the book of Revelations where John says that he is in the Lord's day and a gate is open in heaven and he is brought back in spirit so that he can see the throne room of God. Right? You guys remember that? But in those two occasions, a human being is brought into the presence of God. In this occasion, it is God who descends to man. The gates of heaven are open and they're not just open so the Holy Spirit can come. They're open so that we can see with clarity that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's what's being opened. That Jesus is the Son of God. And the Holy Spirit comes upon him in an anointing for ministry way. He comes like a dove, not a dove. A dove doesn't come upon Jesus, but like a dove Something flies in to the person of Jesus and he is anointed with the Holy Spirit. And the Father speaks, This is my Son in whom I am pleased. What is he pleased about when Jesus hasn't even begun the ministry? He's pleased that the Son is obedient, that the Son is self-sacrificing. He's pleased that the Son is representing Him already now. He's already representing Him in heaven as the Lamb of God, as the one that walks with sinners, as the one who comes to rescue the lost. Because that is the mission of Jesus. And you know the The beautiful thing, at least to me, is that there is one other place in the Gospel of Matthew 
where almost identical words are spoken. This is my son. And it's in the transfiguration where they're covered by a cloud and a voice from heaven says to Peter and John and, and Andrew, says to them, this is my son. Listen to him. Almost identical words. And yet they are at precisely important moments in the life of Jesus. Here, when he's about to begin his earthly ministry, and a transfiguration when he's about to begin the journey to the cross. At the beginning of his ministry and at the beginning of his journey to Jerusalem to die, the Father reminds him and reminds us that this is his Son whom he's given for the sins of the world. And in both places, the announcement is clear that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So the heavens opened, and I think it opened, it opened so, so that our hearts be open. It opened so that our eyes could be open. It opened so that our faith could be open, so that we may see with new eyes what the Father is declaring. The heavens opened to declare who Jesus was. This is my Son. I am so thrilled with Him. I, I love my Son. And His obedience pleases my heart. And I give Him to you so that he can identify with you and you with him. At our baptisms, whether we were baptized as a child or baptized as an adult, at our baptism, something happens that is more than water being poured into a person's head or submersion or immersion depending on, on how the baptism is done. It, the amount of water doesn't make the difference. It really doesn't. Baptism is still a symbol of the cleansing of our sins. Also, whether you're baptized here in St. David's in Burbank or you're baptized on the Jordan River on a visit to Jerusalem, it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't make one baptism better than the other because it's the God of the baptism that makes the difference. It's not the amount of water or the place or whether a pool or whether it's uh, Santa Monica Beach. It doesn't matter. It's what God is doing when he says to you at your baptism, you are my daughter. You are my son. At this moment, I'm adopting you in these waters. When you come, whether it's me bringing a child, whether it's me being a godparent, whether it's me bringing myself, I am announcing that I belong to God. And God accepts me and accepts my offering of self. But I have to get up from the waters of baptism to go and live as a child of God. So many baptized persons never again going to the, the, the doors of a church. 
How many people are baptized and they have no idea because the parents or the godparents didn't pass the faith on to them? How many people have I baptized that after the baptism I've never seen again? It's up to God. I don't know. They may be serving somewhere else. Praise God if that's the case. But I also know, I also know my own life. When I was baptized, I didn't start following Jesus right away. It took many, many years. But the thing is that once you are baptized, you're property of Christ. And at some point, at some point, you must live your baptism. You must recover your baptismal vows. You must reaffirm that you belong to God, that you're an adopted child. And as an adopted child, you must live your life in a way that the Father can say, I am well pleased with you. You are my son. You are my daughter. In you, I am well pleased. Can you imagine... If the result of Jesus' obedience was that the heavens were open and the Spirit came, what the result is of our obedience? When we live in obedience with God, what God will do through His Holy Spirit in our lives would be amazing. Would be just as amazing as this miracle and this theophany in the Jordan River. When we surrender and truly surrender to become children of God, God moves in. God moves into our lives. God moves and, and moves us into his ministries and moves us into his life and moves us into his purposes. Out of obedience comes God's movement. I think sometimes we want to say, well, let God move first and then I'll be obedient. I think it's the reverse. We have enough about God to be obedient. And God will show us the ways that he has preordained for you and for me from the beginning of our lives and before. So we are at the Jordan River. We are at the Jordan River, and, and the focus of the Jordan River is who is this man that is being brought into the water and that comes into the water. And that comes out of the water. Who is this man? It is so clear. And, and, and Matthew wants us to have it very, very clear. That this is the declared anointed son of God. For the ministry that he was commissioned to do. That's where we are. And I, I think our baptism is just like that. And I wish you and I would recover that sense of God's anointing that happens at baptism. We can't just be baptized with water. We need Holy Spirit baptism as well. That's the completion of the works of John and the works of Jesus. Baptism with water and baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's the fullness of what is the righteousness fulfilled. The obedience So I ask you to consider today the day of the baptism of our Lord these words of Jesus, these words of the Father. Who is he 
He's the Son of God. Who is He? He's my Lord. Who is He? He's my Savior. Who is He? He's the one that took my place in the waters of baptism and on the cross. Who is He? He's the one that's coming back for me. Who is He? He's the one that I will worship for the rest of my life. And from this day on, I'm going to be a child of God, baptized, secure in the promises of God. That is who He is. Jesus Emmanuel, God with us, in us, through us, to the glory of God the Father. Amen.